1: what is up everybody welcome inside the get the as charged podcast my name is steven and i am your host as always joining me are my guys tyler and alex alex we'll start with you man how are you doing tonight doing
2: good one more day till the tonight we do one more day till the draft and uh, yeah prepared for the live stream hopefully it's almost nighttime for you, I guess. It's
1: 1 p.m. for uh, me. I don't know why I said that. Yeah, tonight. 4.01, but yeah, not nighttime for you guys yet. <laughs> Force of habit. Um, Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, how you doing? I don't know what's going to be
3: daytime or nighttime. I'm leaving <laughs> at 3 in the morning to get to the airport to make oh, sure shit. I'm there in time for Steven. Uh, so I'll be driving to Vegas, probably by myself on the road, maybe some random truck drivers or something. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to be there. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, shout out to Tyler and uh, Tyler's family hosting us uh, for draft weekend, so can't wait to uh, really uh, participate in all of that. So um, we are going to talk today about our all underrated team, players that we feel like are uh, potentially day two guys, day three guys that really should be going earlier than the consensus has them. Uh, so really excited about that. This was kind of an idea of mine that I had uh, sparked by an article that I wrote for Lefb. so... Um, you know, but I wanted to give the chance to Tyler and Alex to be able to mention that as well. Uh, before we get there though, we are going to talk about kind of the latest pre-draft buzz. Um, you know, apparently Sean Merriman's trying to say that there's going to be another trade or something like that. Uh, you know, we'll see, but, uh, never say never, I guess. Um, but before we get there, there's just a bunch of stories and articles coming out now as we are kind of. Uh, you know 28 hours away from uh, the start of the 2022 draft so wanted to discuss some things and I think um, one of the things that of course people are very interested in is what the Chargers could do in terms of sticking and picking at 17 trading back or, or what have you so Tom Telesco of course had his pre-draft co- press conference mentioned trading back quite a lot and then he had a little interview with Haley Elwood where he mentioned it again so uh, we talked a little bit about this on our Twitter spaces um, last night. But, Tyler, what do you make of the Chargers potentially trading back or him feeling what seems very comfortable of sticking and picking at 17? I always advocate for trading back. However, if
3: the draft reveals one guy slips out of that top 15, you project to go they're there at 17. If they want to stay and pick, that's fine. I think at this point it is defensive back, and I think one of those guys they like is going to be there. So I think they're going to stick and pick. Again, I would prefer to trade back, but I understand staying, and I don't expect Telesco to trade back at all.
2: Yeah, um, I I talked on when we did the stream yesterday, uh, j- or sorry, the spaces yesterday, and someone asked a question about Telesco trading back, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. But I actually did watch the interview with Haley Elwood this morning, and he did mention it quite a few times. Uh, I don't think they are going to trade back, but if there was a year, this kind of would be the like weird middle ground year to kind of do it. Um, but at the end of the day, my gut feeling tells me that they stay at pick 17 and that the pick is ultimately probably Trevor Penning or a corner. Um, so yeah. that's, that's sort of where I'm at right
1: now. Yeah. Arjun in the chat saying, uh, trade down no matter what, of course, referencing not uh, draft day. I, I tend to agree there. Um, you know, it's really interesting because there's a lot of buzz about linebacker to the chargers at 17 right now, you know. <laughs> Tom Pelissero was saying that a lot of people expect Quay Walker, the linebacker from Georgia, to be the first linebacker off the board and to be top 20, to be a top 20 selection. There's obviously a lot of Trent McDuffie buzz. I heard yesterday about the Kyler Gordon situation. Um, Pelissero is also saying that we should expect Kyler Elam to be the fourth corner off the board. So, you know, Tom Telesco said in, in really my big takeaway take from his press conference and the interview, Is that they feel pretty confident that they're going to get the player that they want at 17 and not have to trade up to get him? And if they can trade back and get him, then they'll explore that. But I I think that Tom Telesco, my interpretation of is that they have you know four or five guys that they feel comfortable with at 17. If they're there, they'll take them. If not, if all of those players are gone, then I think at that point they would consider a trade back.
3: Yeah, completely agree. Guess we'll see tomorrow.
2: Yep.
1: So I guess, of course, the other thing, the opposite side of that spectrum, right, is that um, I think it was Jim Trotter saying that uh, the Texans are considering trading down from 13. Uh, Ian Rappaport was suggesting that basically picks 10 through 14 are up for grabs at this point for teams trying to trade up. Um, Alex, what do you make of that potential scenario Um, if somebody that you like falls and you may be kind of trading up to 13 with the Texans or, or Vikings at 12 or something like that?
2: Yeah, it could be with the Vikings at 12. Um, I think Ravens at 14 is kind of another possible one. Uh, I think that's probably the end of the list, though, because I think the Saints are where they are at this point in the draft, and I think the Eagles, if anything, are looking to trade up, it sounds like. So I think anywhere from 12 to 14 is where they theoretically could. I don't think they will, though. I, I think I, I think it's more likely they would trade down than trade up, unless you know Derek Stingley or someone like that has some kind of drastic fall, but even if they do, if you're Baltimore, do you want to trade down with the Chargers and give them Derek Stingley, or do you just want to take them yourself, right? Uh, so same thing with Jamison Williams and all these other you know potential fall players. Uh, so I, I think that that's kind of the, the quandary that the Chargers just find themselves in right now. Uh, would like it if it's the right player. Um, obviously, I've heard the nightmare scenario of them potentially trading up and leaping the Saints for Trevor Pending, which uh, gives me angina. Uh, not, not the most fun scenario (laughs) in the world, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, not super happy about that one, but I don't think they end up trading up at the end of the day. And based on Telesco's comments, particularly this year, I do really think this is the first time it's more likely they trade down.
3: Yeah, I would agree there. I guess I never considered it as, you know, compare the two trading up, trading down, which one's more likely. I do think trading down is more likely. It feels like there's a small chance they could trade down but it feels like there's no chance they're trading up. It just doesn't seem like they're going to do that this year. So even if there's a player there, it's going to be very hard to watch, you know, Jamison Williams, maybe
1: even go the pick before the Chargers. But, yeah, I just don't think they're going to trade up for one particular player. Yeah, you know, I think when it comes to trading up, like a lot of these teams are going to be, you know, trading up for a receiver, trading up for a quarterback. Daniel Jeremiah reportedly uh, uh, apparently thinks that there's going to be four wide receivers taken in the top 12 which would just be i mean i could see it right like there's so much unknown in this draft but really where are those four players going unless that means teams are trading up so you know like if you're the texans right and you have an offer from the steelers let's say and they're they're interested in giving you 20 and a second round pick to come up and get a quarterback maybe they get a tackle you know whatever or the saints give you 19 or and next year and this year's second to come up and get one of the tackles and the Chargers are like, well, I'll give you, you know, seventeen in next year's second. It's like, really, like what offer would you rather have? And I think the Texans would rather have the picks this year to kind of take advantage of that depth.
3: The, so the Texans have the second pick. The Texans have three and thirteen. Three and thirteen. Okay. So, they, so basically,
1: they... the report was that they are ninety nine percent going to take a pick at three. Okay. Unless some team just like blows them away with a trade offer. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to trade down. Apparently, Nick Casario like hates the the teens of this draft and wants to just kind of stockpile multiple picks and get a, a ton of draft picks. And frankly, they need more picks, right? Like they they have so yeah. many holes on the PFF simulator. It says their draft teams are literally everything. So <laughs> if you're the Texans, right, and somebody wants to come up to get a bidding war for a quarterback, then you t- you gladly take that, and then you can kind of trade down and see who's there. Unfortunately for the Chargers, that kind of leaves them on the outside looking in because they just they don't have the capital to compete in a bidding war, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, um, I I think also if we're talking about like trading up a couple spots versus trading up like a significant amount, like say in in like six to eight range, I think it would probably have to be the latter uh, because they would have to sacrifice next year's first if they're willing to make any trade uh, rather than. Yeah, obviously you can't trade this year's second and no one cares about next year's second right i think it would yeah. really only be a team that uh like the Eagles saints trade would want that next year's first rather than the draft position they're currently holding
1: yeah so uh interesting question from our guy kevin here um if we traded back say to the mid-20s who would you guys rather take gordon out of washington that's kyler gordon in the corner or Daxon hill the safety from michigan so uh, for those who missed our Twitter spaces, I did report yesterday uh, that the Chargers are interested in both Washington corners, not just Trent McDuffie, that Kyler Gordon is in play in the first round for them, whether that's 17 or via tradeback, I think is legitimate. And listen, I, I think Gordon is a, is a very interesting corner prospect. I think you could make an argument that he could have the highest ceiling out of anyone outside of the top two guys just because of his athletic traits, because of his length and his size and his physicality. And he only had one year starting at Washington as opposed to McDuffie, who I feel like is basically tapped out at this point. Um, That said, what do you guys make of uh, Kevin's question here? Trade to the mid-20s. Are you taking Kyler Gordon or are you taking Daxton Hill? Um, I think in that scenario, I'm taking Daxton Hill
2: just because, I mean, the, the versatility there. Obviously, you're getting the second or some people think first best safety in this class. Pairing him with Derwin James, that is a lot um, and also he can play cornerback himself, uh, you know, in some spot roles versus uh, I think with Kyler Gordon, you're kind of envisioning him as like a Michael Davis replacement, right? He, he'd sure. probably be more strictly your outside corner McDuffie, more your slot all around the field guy. Um, so I would just kind of value, you know, the efficiency of someone like Daxon Hill and value his, you know, potential Um, and his ceiling more than I would Kyler Gordon. But I I do think Kyler Gordon would be a good pick if they were to actually trade back in the mid-20s as well.
3: Yeah, based on their perceived needs and even just my particular preference in the board, I would go with Hill as well. Alex described it perfectly. I just think he fits what they would, would, I think, want to do and what they do need. I I can see Michael Davis being the outside corner. I don't really want to see alohi gilman or you know mark webb be that that third safety yeah. or whatever so i think i do think dax hill contributes more this year and so i'll take him
1: yeah and you know Daxon hill is the last first round grade for me i know he's the he's last on your first round grades too right tyler dax hill yeah he doesn't have first round from me oh okay i thought that so who's the, who's your last first grade
3: mm, kyle hamilton i mean in terms of like the the number, I think it's like Trent McDuffie, yeah. Kyle Hamilton, uh, Andrew Booth, those guys.
1: Okay, but yeah, Gordon doesn't
3: sorry. have a first round grade for me.
1: No, yeah, Kyler Gordon doesn't have a first round grade for me either. Um, so, I'm, like, my preference, of course, would be Daxton Hill, who does have a first round grade for me. Um, you know, he's I, I think an immediate impact player. And you know something that I wrote about in uh, my mocked draft for LAFB, which was is out now. Um, you know I had them taking a safety later on, and it's like, you know, the Chargers – We we talked a little bit about Chris Harris in, in the spaces yesterday, and kind of what upgrading the slot would do for the Chargers, and really upgrading that third safety would do have a very similar effect because last year, you know, when Derwin James was injured, or even late in the season when they were kind of experimenting with Nasir Adderley in the box a little bit more. <laughs> left Trey Marshall, Alohi Gilman, whoever you want to insert there on an island in the deep part of the field way too often. So, I mean, you can take Jackson Hill, get really creative with him and Asir Annerley and Derwin James and really have three legitimate starting pieces. So my pick would be Jackson Hill, but I think they would choose Kyler Gordon.
3: So from Robert Carper, he says, Popper said Chargers would not take a safety at 17. How much of that do you think is related to, like, do you think that's about Hill? I'm sure it was someone was asking about Hill. Yeah. But he's not really just a safety. Like, that's not right. really what right. he is. So, do you think Hill would be included in Popper's comments here?
1: I think this would more apply to Lewis Seen yeah. or Kyle Hamilton or uh, Jaquan Brisker, of course. I don't think Brisker is going in the first round, but, you know, we've heard a little bit of buzz for Lewis Seen. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton is that uh perceived safety one but I think Daxon Hill is versatile enough where he would be of interest for them maybe not at 17 but I think you can justifiably say that Daxon Hill he might be the best slot corner in this draft right now and I think he gives you enough versatility to kind of justify him taking uh taking Daxon Hill at 17 I guess
2: yeah um it, this is kind of interesting because to me, not taking a safety at 17 probably also implies Kyle Hamilton is not available in 17. Um, so I would think that if he is, that the Chargers at least consider it. I mean, we know his versatility that he has. Obviously, the Notre Dame logo on his helmet um, <laughs> contributes to some of this as well. So yeah. I wouldn't say there's no chance of a safety at 17 if the Kyle Hamilton like kind of slide is real. I don't tend to believe that it is real, though. So if you're just talking about, um, you know, uh, Hill and Scene and Brisker, then no, I don't think the Chargers would take any of those guys at 17.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of uh, Derek Stingley comments right now. Um, Moose saying we're taking Williams Cross or Stingley at 17. I don't think any of those three players will be God, there. I hope so, man. Love the I optimism. Know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I I don't know how to adhere. I don't know. Like, uh, adhere, I'm guessing, uh, is how you pronounce that. Uh, I keep saying Stingley is the missing piece to our Super Bowl title. I believe that. I I think Derek Stingley is a fantastic player. I don't think he's going to be on the board at 17. I think he's going in the top 10. So you probably have to trade up ahead of the Giants at 7 to to get Derek Stingley. And that would require trading next year's first-round pick to jump up that far. And so I just, I don't know if that is a feasible thing for the chargers to do. I I
2: am really interested in Arjun actually pointed this out in our Twitter spaces yesterday, what the giants and jets do because they, they're teams that have so many needs um, and that can kind of affect where you get the chargers on the board, right? If one of them takes Stingley or let's say they even go Stingley and sauce respectively, uh, then that kind of creates the run on corners and maybe there's no corners by the time the Chargers pick at 17 or they both go in another direction take a wide receiver and an offensive tackle and then suddenly there's a lot more corner options available for the Chargers at 17 McDuffie potentially being there as well so um, I, I think that's really one to watch when you look at the the potential run on corners
1: mm-hmm. yeah we'll talk about the
3: uh, guys in front of the Chargers in a bit so it'll be fun
1: yeah, Kevin pointed out there's a rumor today that uh the Texans are interested in Derek Stingley at number three. That hey. makes a lot of sense, right? That you know, they can afford to take a, a big swing at this point in the stage of the rebuild. I think his odds went from like plus two fifty uh on Monday to like minus two hundred to go in the top five. So there's certainly a lot of buzz gaining about that potentially happening. But I don't know, like there's an, also an argument we had that you take sauce Gardner at three much safer evaluation for a team that really needs to start hitting on prospects and doing that immediately. So, yeah, I don't I, mean, it,
2: I, I also heard a Texans uh, Garrett Wilson rumor the other
1: day, so I don't know what to believe.
2: <laughs> uh, they could go wide receiver or any position. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I think that the top 10 is so interesting because it can unfold so many ways like there's. Yeah a lot of Charles Cross to the Giants rumors. And it's like, well, what if Evan Neal is on the board for them? Are they still taking Cross over Evan Neal? You we, know, yeah. what happens if they take a corner at, at five? And then, you know, the Panthers take Charles Cross at six instead of taking a quarterback like everybody kind of thinks. So Yeah, we know well, are... we know the
2: Texans aren't taking a quarterback because they have famous Charger killer
1: Davis Mills. So, I mean, he, he's staying yeah. there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of love for uh, Davis Mills around the yeah. league, man. And I think... Maybe a little hyperbolic, but a few right. very respectable media members have said that James, that Davis Mills would be QB1 in this draft. I don't know if I would go that far or believe that, but the Texans like him, and I think Pep Hamilton likes him and is going to give him at least this full year to see what they have there.
2: Probably QB2 or 3. I wouldn't see him leaving Willis in this
1: one, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... All right. A couple other questions. We talked a lot about Mekhi Beckton on our spaces yesterday. Um, don't really want to revisit all of that again. Uh, Ian Rappaport saying that Mekhi Beckton is not uh, really available. Uh, apparently Peter King has Kayvon Thibodeau falling to 13 in his mock draft. Any chance the Chargers could trade up even though it's not a true position of need. So we kind of talked about trade up a lot already, but um, the Kayvon Thibodeau stuff <laughs> is so annoying, man. Like, there's talk yeah. now that Jermaine Johnson is going in front of him as early as seven to the Giants. I don't understand where why Kayvon Thibodeau is like this year's. Uh, he's falling in the draft, according to the media, and I, I don't get it. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau is a fantastic player. I almost consider making him edge one over Aiden Hutchinson, Me too, but. Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I I like, I love Jermaine Johnson, but taking him over Kayvon Thibodeau, man, like, never a chance, no chance I would even consider that. Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau just seems kind of like a symptom of we get to April
2: and we start overthinking things because (laughs) all the conversation, February, March, and everything else was okay, he's the second best edge rusher, and at worst, he's probably going top five. Right. Like that, mm-hmm. that was kind of the conversation with him. And so then people like developed questions about his work ethic and stuff like that. Um, I just don't see it. I, I mean, the tape at Oregon shows that he's the second best edge rusher in this class and he's a freak build and projects to be a great edge rusher. I, I, I don't understand it at all. Um, I, it seems like all the media members really do think he will fall. That's not like, just, you know, trying to like throw him under the bus. It's just what they think will happen. Like, um, Mike Garfollow and, and Benjamin Albright and others have said, uh, but I don't really understand why.
3: No, me neither. I, I, I mean, it really doesn't matter to the chargers, but I, or to us really, but I would hate to see not that these other guys don't deserve it. But if like Walker goes before Evan Neal, and Kavon Thibodeau. <laughs> like i just don't know what we're watching like (laughs) what did the giants do what did the texans do what are you doing that for
1: yeah i don't know so uh let's get this um nfl mock draft database simulation up here we're gonna do just a very quick run through of this simulation and kind of just talk about not who we have the chargers taking but who we think is kind of going uh before the chargers are on the ultimately on the clock at 17. so Are we thinking uh, the Jaguars do actually end up trading or taking Trayvon Walker here? Obviously, they did extend uh, Cam Robinson today. So that kind of feels like uh, all the tackle hype that was happening is officially dead here. So um, Trayvon Walker at one or you guys think they do end up taking a safer Aiden Hutchinson? I, I think they end up taking Walker.
2: Um, when the Vegas odds shift, that's where I shift. And they've all shifted <laughs> to the house on Walker. Uh, so I do believe that's kind of what they're gonna do. And the Cam Robinson stuff the Cam Robinson stuff bolsters it. And we do think that Hutchinson is kind of the the shoe in it too then to Detroit, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, I'm still going Hutchinson. I I, I, I don't wanna say that I hope the <laughs> NFL team's not that dumb. Because I do like walking, I, I don't they are Travon that tough,
2: they, they are that tough. They just gave Christian Kirk like the GDP of some small <laughs> island, so I mean, I don't know. Like have your uh, small island, the one that you're in, on, I, I think Christian Kirk's salary is bigger <laughs> than the GDP of my island, but um, yeah, I, I think that this is the Travon Walker spot, probably.
1: I don't get it, but it seems like it's been trending that way. All right, let's put Trayvon Walker at one, and then I think we can not even have a discussion. Aiden Hutchison at two. That would yep. be just a no-brainer for them. I, like we said earlier, interesting spot here at number three. I think uh, Derek Stingley and potentially Evan Neal would be like the two to debate here. Although I would take Kevon, I would probably take Kevon Thibodeau just because you know now you're looking at mm-hmm. a, a very grim group of pass rushers. What do you guys think at Texans do at three? This is
2: one where they have so many holes that like <laughs> any of them would be good
1: um i think the uh, i think derek stingley is currently the favorite there
4: let's really? pencil
2: him in i i mean i'm i'm fine with penciling him in there um i could also see them going wide receiver if they wanted to just to, like get davis mills a weapon but um i, I do think they probably value bolstering that defense because they're they're really starting from scratch there
3: mm-hmm. sure we can do Stingley. i mean we're just taking players
1: to get yeah. rid of ones in front of the chargers yeah. so. Um, if Icky Iquano is on the board for the Jets, they are taking him. Um, that is without a doubt happening for me. And I think most Jets media have said pretty much that Icky Iquano is like Joe Douglas's wet dream at this point. Mm. <laughs> well. uh, he, I think Kayvon Thibodeau here at five. Um, I could also, I mean, they really like cross. Obviously, I think you could make an argument for Evan Neal. But with the way that this kind of panned out, I, I would lean Thibodeau. But, uh,
2: I think I would lean Gardner here um, for the okay. Giants. I don't know because there's the they might trade Bradbury stuff, and I see. I just don't know how far Thibodeau is going to slide. Um, I would pencil him in here, and I would take him if I were the Giants. But it seems like teams have an issue with him, so I I really don't know yeah. where to place him. Um, but I'm yeah. fine with whatever we do here.
1: Tip, tip let's it it sauce. Up. Yeah.
2: Let's oh, sauce. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Well, they're both going to be gone before the Chargers. So, right. I guess it yeah. matter.
1: But here, like, I think if this is the board, I don't buy that the Panthers taking a quarterback personally. So, uh... I buy it because they're dumb and they're going to take Kenny Pickett.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly do. But if there's someone's going to be the, the, that move, I
1: kind of buy it. I think it would be yeah. Willis, though. If they're taking a quarterback, I think it's Willis. He's the favorite, Alex. You keep on saying Vegas. I mean, Willis is the favorite to be the first quarterback taken.
2: I just, I think the Panthers are really dumb, and <laughs> this was evidenced <laughs> by trading for Sam Darnold in the first place. Do not disagree I, there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of being slanted a little bit here by Albright's mock draft where he had them going Kenny Pickett. This could also, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like any of the three of them between Willis, Pickett, or Corral. I could all three of them have kind of like been in that slot in mock drafts, but in general, I think you can pencil in quarterback at this point. Yeah. All right. Let's do Kenny Pickett, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, either way, I think <laughs> there's one quarterback
1: going before seventeen. So if that's the quarterback, we just yeah, for a placeholder. Yeah. Right, yeah. All right. Here I, I think the Charles Cross buzz for the Giants is legitimate. Um, so I, I would say let's put cross at seven. That sounds good. Sure. And then Falcons at eight. Their offensive tackle situation is, frankly, really good. It's like the only thing that's good on their roster. Um, so this is, for me, it would be Kayvon or Kyle Hamilton. Or Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, this could be the spot where Wilson goes first.
2: Yeah, I would be disgusted to watch him with Marcus Mariota. But, I mean, I guess it can <laughs> start somewhere. But, no, I mean, I still think it would be
1: Thibodeau at this yeah. point. But I think this is where you start talking about wide receiver. Yeah. Let's put cave on an eight here. Okay. Um, and then nine, I think I would think that this would be a very likely trade down spot, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, the the Seahawks have zero offensive tackles on their roster. So I feel like this has to be Evan Neal. Not, not <laughs> yeah. Put Evan Neal there, but not like they have a quarterback to protect anymore. <laughs> I mean, they like drew lock, man. Like they do. So I, I think they're, Kind of plan of attack is going to be to trade back up in the first round and get a, a fifth year option quarterback. And maybe that's Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter or something. But I think at nine, I think they're taking whichever offensive tackle is best available. And that's Evan yeah. Neal here. Third tackle. All right, Jets. I, Jets, I think this has to be a receiver. So yeah. I think Garrett Wilson is a little redundant to what they actually have. Probably mm-hmm. Drake. So I would think this is Drake or Jamison. Probably
2: Drake. I buy
1: Drake. Right. That seems to be the buzzy one anyway. Yeah. Um, Ron Rivera loves Ohio State guys. Very easy pick here for me. Garrett Wilson at 11.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. (laughs) Oh,
1: please don't make me watch Garrett Wilson
2: with Carson Wentz. Are you fucking. Oh, Oh, no. 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 Sweep the Eagles. Oh, no.
1: Please. All right. Vikings. There's a lot of secondary talk here. I think. This could be a Jermaine Johnson uh, possibility as well. There was a lot of talk that they were trying to trade um, Daniel Hunter, mm. but I feel like I feel like they would take Kyle Hamilton at this point, or maybe even yeah. Trey McDuffie.
2: Yeah, I think the value for for Kyle Hamilton kind
1: of makes more sense.
2: Do they need a safety? Like I know
3: they
1: also were trying to trade. Right. I guy think guy. Harrison Smith is on their roster for 2022, and that's it. Mm. So. They don't yeah. I don't know I don't know who their other safety is, but I mean they like they're gonna be doing the Vic Vangio defense and they they need mm. like a, a secondary chess piece to to kind of make that happen. Right. Um so I would go Hamilton here. Okay. Yeah. Um who did we give the
2: Texans earlier? Did we give them Stingley. Stingley. Okay. So it'd be very lovey kind of Smith a... to take Jermaine here. Yeah, but... this this sounds like a Jermaine Johnson spud, and we've heard all the buzz that he's like a lock to go top ten, and this is thirteen. So yeah. this kind of sounds like the value.
1: Okay. Sorry, uh, Ravens. Dan Jeremiah thinks that unless a pass rusher is on the board for the Ravens, they are taking Jordan Davis. So yes, hit Jordan Davis, please. Okay.
2: Okay, now hit Jamison, uh, big Will. one, big one. Now yeah, hit Jamison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I see. For. I
3: think you can wait till 18, Alex. I think you can really wait. Yeah, no,
2: no, 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 no. No, <laughs> no,
1: you, no you can't wait. You can't wait till 18 to take Jameson, man. These unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I do think that 15 is the floor for Jamison. Mm-hmm. You know, he could. I think he could go as high as eight to the Falcons, like we, we like Tyler was saying. That's where you start talking about receivers. Um, but yeah, I can't see Jamison falling past the Eagles, man.
2: Yeah, the Saints are just weird. I this is where I get to the point in mock drafts, and I think we I think we had a mock draft where the was it our 3.0 where the Saints actually took Kenny Pickett or something like that. Yeah, um yeah. yeah, so I don't think they'll go quarterback. I think they go with another player, but
1: I just have no idea. I mean, again, they don't have a left tackle. They they literally do not have one. Um they're current hey ever
2: penning here he their is curr- their
1: <laughs> current projected starter is james hurst who's been mostly a right tackle mostly a swing tackle mm. um their pass rush is fine so I, I mean they have cam jordan they have um what's the other guy's name that went to uh utep who they traded up for oh, davenport davenport yeah so i don't think it would be Loftus. i wouldn't be shocked at Devin lloyd Cause Demario Davis is getting older, but to me mm-hmm. again, they have 19, so they could probably take Devin Lloyd there. So I think this is a lave penning, or penning. already
2: this... already plays left tackle. Doesn't have to convert positions. Uh, high upside. Yeah. High upside, you know, Top top 10 physical traits. We're not going to talk okay. about the day. Three yes. tape. We'll talk about day one tape. I, I think you go with Trevor. Penning. Right. But
1: this is this, the run on receivers has begun. Mm-hmm. So this is a lava or penning for me. And, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know if I'm confident that they would pass on Olave to in favor of Trevor Penning. Can we get one of those like hypnosis pendulums? Like,
2: you will take Trevor Penning. <laughs> uh... I mean, I yeah, uh... they're, they're such a weird team because I, I don't think they have like one need in particular that's yeah. much bigger than the others. But, um, all comes down to what they want the most here. I could see Olave. Um, and maybe they get Olave and try to kind of pair him with Michael Thomas. I I don't know.
1: I think they take Olave. Gut feeling is that they take Penning, but I think Olave is also a very strong possibility.
3: I just think dare the Chargers to take Penning. Like, we have Olave, you know, and I think if he's if is there at 17, I think the Chargers would take him. But Penning is something like Chargers second guess themselves, Eagles don't take him, we get him at 19 anyway. All right. Like if Olave? you're
1: sorry, if you're in the chat here, let us know if you think the Saints would take Penning or Olave right now. Do it.
3: Quick. Not wishful thinking. What do not you think what you think they,
1: they, not what you want them to do. Cause I think everybody would want them to take Penning. What do you actually <laughs> think they would do? So let us know quick Penning or Olave.
2: The only thing I'll say is if in this position, they have the Eagles take Jameson off the board, you know, the Eagles aren't going to go receiver at 18 I don't think the chargers are super likely to go receiver, although they could still. Um, so if you're the saints, you could kind of make the bet. The chargers aren't going to take a receiver and then take a tackle uh, and take another receiver at 19 or take the receiver and force the chargers to kind of take pending. That's also a possibility. Um, but I wonder with Jameson off the board, th- that kind of also comes down to like how they have Olave graded too, I
1: guess. Yeah. Anthony points out, uh, why would you jump the Chargers for a receiver? Tackle makes more sense. So,
3: better than if you did, if the Chargers took Olave, but, then who yeah. do they have for that? Like,
2: that's the thing. Like, I don't think they jumped the Chargers, though. Like, I think they just did that to get another first round pick,
1: like this year. But, yeah. I mean, at 19, you could take, I mean, they could take, uh, I don't think Burks is going to go top 20, but that's a possibility. You could go Jahan Dotson, who again is very similar to Olave. So, uh, I don't know. I think gut feeling they take Penning if he's there. But I also kind of think that for the Chargers. So I don't know. Pencil
2: it in for Penning.
1: <laughs> Have fun with that one. Well, I mean. All right. So I, I think we can kind of stop this here, right? But I think <laughs> this is kind of where we see the board going and who we feel confident in going ahead of the Chargers. So Ty, yeah. if you could scroll up a little bit here. I would say, obviously, Penning has a chance to be there at 17 but I feel confident that everybody else that we yeah. took 15 up is going to be off the board for the Chargers so ultimately this pick is is likely coming down to Penny McDuffie or Alave I
2: agree and I
1: wish it would be Zion but I don't Who
2: know. who
1: do we think from 15 on up has the biggest
2: chance to fall Um I guess we heard about Evan Neal and the potential medical stuff um but yeah, that, like that's... fall
1: in the sense of fall to the Chargers or fall yeah. past where we took them uh, fall to the Chargers.
3: I mean, f- flavor, it could be Drake London. If they just don't want that kind of receiver, then they just would literally just yeah. pass. Like if we, yeah. we want the speedster, we want the, you know, the Garrett Wilson type. We want Olave, whatever. Like London is a particular kind of receiver. And if a team just doesn't want that, yeah. they
1: won't take it. Yeah. yeah, I think London would be my choice as well, because I, I I'm pretty confident in saying that Wilson and Williams will be selected in the top right. 15. Yeah. So yeah. London, I think there's a legitimate chance he falls. Maybe Kyle Little Hamilton, ticket, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right there. Need a backup um, quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you. If you would have asked me this a few weeks ago, I would have maybe said Jermaine Johnson, but now he's potentially going in front of Kayvon Thibodeau and likely a top 10 lock. So I don't know. I, I think Kyle Hamilton or Drake London would be my choices there. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, gut feeling here, guys, uh, before we head into the draft, who do you think uh, the Chargers kind of lean towards? Uh, if let's say Penning, Olave, McDuffie on the board, who do you think the Chargers pick is?
2: McDuffie. Penning. Ugh. I hate that I, th- I just said that, but I, yeah. I, I, in some order, I think it would be Penning. McDuffie, Zan Alave, but I could see it being any of them. I, I just think that they they go for that need and then figure out the rest later.
1: Yeah, I'm with Tyler on this one. I think I would say that McDuffie would be their their highest preferred option there. Um, you know, we've seen them go to Derek Singe's pro day and be very very active there. Derek Ansley has been very active on the pro day scene. Um, we obviously heard that they really like Kyler Gordon as well, uh, Dan Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, all saying that they think they will prioritize corner. So I think Mc- I think McDuffie is the pick if he's there on the board for the Chargers.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it's just the the final, not a nail in the coffin. That's very pessimistic. But you know the fact that they do have a coaching connection, it is a known commodity. You know I do think that's. Again, the the fit's kind of weird, of course, because you're like, oh, you have another corner and Davis on the roster. But I think that's just a really good future pick for them as well, as much as it is a present pick. So, uh, I I actually think Penning is third in, in my opinion here. Oh, okay, I, I think the attitude, possible you're an asshole problems, <laughs> will actually deter them. And I think you could, could like I I legitimately think that's a problem to them. I'm manifesting. I see you in the victory pink, manifesting. (laughs) (laughs) Trying so hard. (laughs) Um, Yes, I I think Penning would be we be third to them of that trio because of that reason. And I hope that they do value
1: like eyeballs and stats and you know penalty flags, (laughs) penalty flags. (laughs) You know, so I, I think it all lines up. You know, based off of what again the actions that we have seen so far from this team. Um, you know, Brandon Staley talking about, you know, getting more possessions for Justin Herbert, getting mm-hmm. more hands on the football and creating more opportunities, I think is a legitimate thing. And and there's, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, I was talking yesterday on Twitter about the McDuffie thing and everybody was like, no, oh, that's such a man pick. It's he's, he's too short. He's too small. And it's like, I think that McDuffie does have enough versatility where he could be a safety option for them. You know, he, they tried to do a little bit of that with Chris Harris last year but he was too old and too bad and not a good tackler to kind of make it work. So, you know, you get, you get McDuffie as your starting slot. You can keep Asante Samuel Jr. on the outside in this scenario, which I think is frankly better for him as well. And you can rotate the two of them depending on matchups. You can put McDuffie at safety in base packages, allowing Sierra Adderley to play box. So I do think, you know, it's a similar conversation with Dax Hill where you kind of, not just getting a slot corner, you're getting a secondary chess piece to move around. And again, just kind of create havoc back there for the chargers.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Any thoughts there, guys? Yeah,
2: no, I I think that's fair. I mean, I I think the upgrade from Harris to McDuffie makes that pick a lot more attractive, even if you don't want the Chargers to go corner in the first round or if you're out after Saucer Stingley just because, you know, (laughs) McDuffie's not as uh, sexy of a pick. But I think the immediate upgrade that you get there, in addition to obviously already having J.C. Jackson and Asante and, you know, Michael Davis in the secondary, um, I, I think it would s- certainly solve uh, a lot of the issues last year. Uh, <laughs> specifically, not that it would solve Hunter Renfro, but it, it
1: would it would reduce his uh, his problems quite a bit. Yeah, you know, Kevin Koenig pointing out, not enough has spoken about McDuffie's run defense too. If he comes in and plays mm-hmm. a slot, yeah. you'd be an instant upgrade there I, for sure. Like you can do a lot of fun things with McDuffie as a blitzer because he's so mm-hmm. fast and his change of direction is so crazy elite. And I think anybody who is doubtful of McDuffie and his ability should really turn on his tape against Michigan and what he was able to yeah. do against him was just mm-hmm. really fantastic. And I think speaks more to what he's able to do. Cause in the PAC 12, nobody targeted him, man. Like it, it was just
4: right. run
1: opposite of McDuffie throw opposite of McDuffie, you know? So I think McDuffie really would be a fantastic pick. I agree. Yeah. I'd love it. All right. We'll move on to our secondary topic here which is our all underrated team again this is more a little applicable to kind of day two day three picks Mm -hmm. um so let's start with tyler we'll do uh two each and we'll kind of see how much time we have um yeah we'll go two with tyler two with alex two with me players that we think are you know potentially underrated so uh tyler which two are you going to mention first here
3: uh, yeah, so we're going underrated here, not best, obviously, so people right. don't kill me in the chat. But <laughs> I am going with Jarrah Stearns out of Western Kentucky. He's ranked 254th on the consensus big board. And I guess that's where you could take him as well. Maybe he's a you know round seven sort of guy. But, you know, his 1,902 receiving yards is fifth all time at NCAA history. Uh, he's the guy who stood out at the Shrine Bowl and was, you know, you watch his role in college and it is kind of frustrating to watch, you know, flat screen, you know, that sort of gadget type receiver. But every once in a while, you can find a player where he dusts a guy down the field. And he did that at the Shrine Bowl as well. This is a player that has met with the Chargers as well, so that's great. Um, Although he was a combine snub, a lot of people really wanted him to go. Um, I think he's, yes, I wrote it down. He's Ryan Fowler's, my guy in this draft as well from the Draft Network. Um, I really like him. I obviously had an interview with him. We talked about some of the, you know, one of those downfield, attacks and his, his twitch and how quick he is as well not just a gadget guy that a guy who can win you know from the slot down the field down the seam whatever i also just really like talking to him about the communication he had with his quarterback where they were just they're always on the same page and they'd be able to signal each other to do this or that and they'd kind of fool the defense or change the route a certain way just with a little hand signal um, they did that in the breakdown that we did and then i saw that they did a similar play versus Tariq Wool, and that's what got him against Western Kentucky, too. So good guy, productive guy, very, very, like very, very productive guy. And, um, you know, I, I think he's an underrated guy for sure.
1: All right. Who's your second one, though?
3: Oh, um, <laughs> are we going to go offense all or just whatever? Whatever, whatever. To you want. Okay. Um, let me go with Thomas Booker out of Stanford. I all think right. if you're looking for... Fiderian Mathis, but you can't get Fiderian Mathis in the second round or, or third round or whatever. I think Thomas Booker out of Stanford is a guy you want to go develop. There's a real drop-off after him. Yeah, I could say he was was Uazurike, but he feels like more the pass rusher. But if you want more of a Defense run, attack last
1: rise up for sure.
3: Yeah, definitely. And Booker on the consensus board does feel like one of the last guys who has legit playing like power and potential... And he is number one in run stops of our defensive tackle. So there, there's obviously something there. You know, he's kind of be your 4-I-5 tech sort of guy. Um, he's the guy who stood out the Shrine Bowl as well. He also has met with the Chargers. Um, he's so fast off the line. He's so powerful. You can see it at the Shrine Bowl reps. He just needs to learn the next part. Like, let's how ha- okay, you can stack. How do you shed? You're fast off the line, but how do you win? What kind of pass rush moves do you have? But that's a really toolsy guy who can win with power, who can win with speed. To teach him how to do something after that and i think you have a really really good player and if you can't get and mathis early i think two three rounds later thomas booker is a really good get
1: yeah you know when it as it pertains to thomas booker i think he was one of the better defensive tackles in the pac-12 in in the last two seasons And i think one of the things that stood out to me uh when researching him when watching him you know brett coleman mm. said that he was like the smartest football player that he's ever interviewed and mm um apparently is is doing fantastic in his other interviews which is is very on par so i definitely think he's a fit for the chargers you know they're yeah i mean that's just like that just screams what brandon staley wants to do just very high high character stanford kind of player not this not necessarily like that they love stanford or anything but you know just that you can kind of work on the technique you can't teach that that kind of brain and i think that's what uh, brandon state would like um, Alex, who are uh, your first two guys that you want to mention as people who are underrated?
2: Yeah, um, I'll mention two. Uh, I'll start with a, a guy that we haven't talked a whole lot about uh, in Nicholas petit Frere We talked about him initially in our offensive tackles episode. I think I had him ranked around eighth. I think you guys had him around the same range. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he is a guy that, because of the drop-off after Neil and Aquanu and all those guys, uh, is kind of slept on a little bit obviously didn't test the best in terms of ras and i think that's kind of what prevented any hype train from really starting from him but he was the number one tackle um out of high school and obviously has experience of both left tackle and right tackle which i think is really valuable um if you're going to take him in the third or fourth round i do think that is seriously good value especially if you're talking about someone who's like offensive tackle eight um So, yeah, for me, I I think he's a guy where if the Chargers do not take an offensive tackle in round one, I wouldn't mind taking a shot on him uh, on day two, potentially one of those uh, or I was going to say one of those picks, the one pick (laughs) that they have on day two, uh, I think could be spent on a Nicolas Petit Frere kind of player who is kind of pro ready as of now and, and can kind of make an instant impact. Uh, one of the few offensive tackles in that range that I think can do so before you get into like the the Max Mitchell kind of developmental mm-hmm. um, prospects. And then the other one I'll talk about, uh, this is sort of a day three guy, more so than a day two guy, but I do think Joey Blunt uh, deserves some consideration. Nice. I took him in my our, our dueling mock drafts. But just tested like an absolute freak at the combine. Yeah. He is a great tackler. um, And I I think he's kind of going to make an instant impact wherever he goes um, in the NFL. I think he's probably at this point a sixth, seventh round pick that's going to like sort of fight for playing time a little bit. But if you ask me, am I going to take like the upside of a a Mark Webb or an Alohi Gilman or Joey Blunt? I'm kind of going to lean that Joey Blunt is a little bit more my type of player. Uh, than those guys. And I, I think that he's the guy that the Chargers would obviously love to have on defense. Um, not really like a Swiss army knife type of player, but just a guy who can do everything you're asking him to. Uh, and obviously it comes with the, the requisite physical skill set. So for me, yeah. if you're taking a safety on day three, I would go with Joey Blunt. If you're taking uh, maybe a sleeper tackle on day two. I do think Nicholas petit Frere has gotten a little bit slept on.
1: Yeah, Julian Blunt, man, I, like from a speed and athletic profile, I think he was a four three nine at his pro day. So you're probably looking at like a low 4-4 kind of athlete. And, uh, you know, him and JT Woods, I feel like are in very similar uh, ability levels. And I think, you know, the Chargers taking one of those players would be great for for that secondary you know get like we talked about with you know Daxon Hill they do not have the requisite athletes on the back end to allow Nasir Adderley to be flexible and to so get JT Woods get Joey Blunt I think would be a, a fantastic mm-hmm. call and I think Blunt went on a third on a, a top 30 visit so they're obviously interested in him yes mm-hmm. they are um Petit Freer when I so when I watched him first at first glance um he was getting like Back end first, early second round pick. And that really right. kind of that messed with my expectations a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was expecting a significantly better player. And I think in terms of his technique, he's very advanced with his hand placement. I think he does kind of have the best hand placement of that, you know, second and third tier offensive line group. But I think the the thing there is like you you just wish he had a little more juice to him and played with more juice and effort. And so kind of like kind of gave me like discount alex leatherwood vibes and <laughs> if you're taking that in the third i think that's fine right but right. If you're taking the problem is alex that... leatherwood went the first <laughs> <laughs> yes, so i exactly. mean the two rounds later is not bad no yeah. but there, there's definitely some things to work with with Petit yeah. frere and like i said a very fantastic pass blocker would be pretty happy with him if that's the third round pick but round two like absolutely not <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think he was a late second for me and that was a third round grade for me. Um, Yeah, I am looking at my notes and at the time I wrote, yeah, I don't like this guy as much as a consensus Um, because at that time he was getting that first round, you know, sort of buzz. And I'm like, I I don't know about that, (laughs) Um, but he is like he is good or kind of average at everything. I think he's best in the run game, but he's, he's kind of he's actually like good. It just to me, it's like a feel a gut feeling sort of thing. Like Leatherwood wasn't a bad taco prospect, but there was something about watching him that pushed him down my board consistently and it nagged me and it bugged me. And then, you know, I'm not saying he, you know, that's the reason he didn't do as well this season, but like it, it, it translated, like, I'm not saying that's exactly why, but that yeah. gut feeling stuck. And then the results were terrible. So when I had that same feeling with Petit freer, even though I recognize that there's a lot of good qualities, you know, I he, he's number nine for me on my rankings. I don't know if I changed that on my grade board, um, but he was ranked ninth, ninth for me at the time, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he is like you're saying, he's getting lost in the shuffle a little bit, like everyone's just kind of skipping sure. to Mitchell, to Lucas, to Deitch, or whatever. And I think a lot of people are forgetting about Petit Freer. Are we forgetting about Petit Freer, or are we just never drafting in the second round? So we just have not talked about him whatsoever. <laughs> I think well, that's what more. That I, I
2: don't think we're forgetting about him, but I do think there's been like he was probably like OT five in consensus when we did our episode, and now he's probably like eight or nine. Like so that that's where I feel like the it's kind of slipped to.
1: Yeah, so I, I think that's a good one. So I've talked a lot about uh, a couple guys here. I mean, I've, I've talked about Bo Melton a ton, but I'm not going to choose him. So. I'm going to give some shine again to Ja'Cory Robertson, somebody that I'm mm-hmm. really kind of championing for, for day three. And, you know, Tyler did this video about Chris Olave at 17. And, well, you know, Olave is behind a lot of guys in a lot of categories. And Robertson is one of those guys. And I think a lot of people are would be very surprised to kind of see where Robertson stacks up. And so, um, you know, ultimately when you look at the data that Pro Football Focus tracks for receivers – Robertson was tied for 10th in the class in yards per reception ahead of Olave, Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, uh, and others, of course. He was tied for 14th in yards per route run, again ahead of Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jahan Dotson, John Mechie. He had the second most contested catches in the class behind only Drake London. and had the seventh Ooh. lowest drop percentage ahead of guys like David Bell, Jalen Tolbert, Khalil Shakir. And he had the 15th best res score, of any receiver in this class. So he he is not like the fastest guy. I think he's kind of a high 4-4 player, but I think he's one of the more underrated players in this class, and the numbers really back that up. So I think his film is fantastic. He's not super clean as mm-hmm. a separator or route runner, but what I do really like there is that he has a fantastic release package, which is something that uh, me and Jason talked about on Twitter. You know, he's able to beat press man. He's able to be physical. It gives you a little bit of juice after the catch, but that's definitely not his specialty. Um, But I, I think that's kind of your ideal uh receiver pick and stash for a year. Replace Jalen Guyton next year. So I'm a big fan of Ja'Cory Robertson.
3: Yeah, me too. I turned to I, – I wouldn't have watched him, honestly, if the Chargers had not met with him. But I, I watched him like, okay, who's this – you know, undrafted free agent priority guy. And I really did like him quite a bit. And like I pointed out, he's the exact same height as Jalen Guyton. You're losing the speed, but you're going to get a much better route runner guy with much better hands, a lot of screens and stuff in his, like they asked him to do a lot of that sort of stuff. So the drop rate is probably, you know, affected by that, of course, but then you'll watch him extend and actually catch it. Like Jalen Guyton, if we don't remember what happened in like late 2019, in the Jags game, early 2020 training camp, it was just like, (laughs) You know, alligator arms. To, Yeah, alligator <laughs> arms the whole time. And so I think in that regard, Jaquar Roberson is a bit more advanced. And maybe he can't separate with the speed naturally, but he is a better route runner, I think, definitely than Jalen Guyton at the time. And then maybe even right now.
1: Yeah. So my next one I want to mention here is of course Neil Farrell, who we've talked about yeah. a little bit. Um you know, he was pro football focus's highest graded run defender in the entire country among defensive linemen with at least 20% mm-hmm. of their respective snaps this past season. He had 24 run stops last year, which is more than Fedarian Mathis, Jordan Davis, and Devontae Wyatt. His 11.4 run stop percentage was identical to Devontae Wyatt's. He had 24 total pressures as well, which is more than pass rushing defensive tackles like Thomas Booker and Haskell Garrett. Um, the likely top fifteen pick. I mentioned Jordan Davis. Yeah, uh, had fourteen total pressures in fifteen games last year, and Neil Farrell had twenty four in eleven. So just to kind of point that, um, he had a pass rush win rate that was one spot lower than Perion Winfrey. So I, I think you kind of look at Neil Farrell, you look at his Ras page and his his athletic profile, and you think of somebody who's just like this stereotypical run stuffing nose tackle but that's not what you see on tape it's not what you see on the numbers and you look at Neil Farrell as somebody that could be like a 6th 7th round pick i think that's ridiculously good value so um, i think he's maybe a tad redundant with, for the chargers with what they have but his skill set and his production and his tape to me suggests that he should be kind of a 4th round player and every time i run a mock draft simulation he's in a 6th 7th round if you do it through TDN, he goes undrafted almost every single time. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Neil Farrell and what you see on tape and what you see on the stat sheet.
3: Yeah, me too. Neil Farrell Jr., I, I was going to do an interview with him. So I had prepared <laughs> all this film. But I had clip of so many. Like you, Again, you think he's that stereotypical nose tackle. He's going as late as like a Mark McCall or however you say his name, who's literally just a plug in the middle of the defense. But then I, I break all this film down or at least chop it up and you see him, you know, he's, he's attacking a half man. He's got a spin move for some reason. He's got a, a club and a swipe. He knows how to attack lever. Like, there's so much that Neil Farrell Jr. can offer you both in the run game and the pass game. You know, I say he's probably arguably one of the most balanced players in that regard along any you know, edge rusher or into your defensive line. Um, again, I, I think he is, you know, he, he tested like crap, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, and then he he tried to get a little bit better and i think he got like 0.02 seconds faster in the 40 yard dash which is improvement <laughs> um but I, i'm definitely rooting him for him for sure i kind of hope he doesn't go to the chargers because i wouldn't know how to boot for Braden or neil in that regard yeah I'd like both of them and they would be super competitive uh, but yeah another player the chargers have met with of course he's met with every team but um yeah no, I, I really like neil freddov jr
2: yeah, I think if I Neil Farrell Jr. is great there too. Uh, if they if they if they want to take a chance on him, I see the the testing thing is kind of weird. I mean, just kind of for that big defensive tackle in general, like Jordan Davis tested like a freak, obviously, but they don't traditionally test that well. No, they don't. Uh, given how big they're built, so for me. If that's the reason that you're moving Neil Farrell down your board, I'm kind of like, well, well, did you watch the film? Maybe I mean, because he's pretty good. But um, so for me, uh, he's definitely one of the more underrated guys in this class. I, I can't believe that he's consistently like, I guess, DT seven or eight at this point.
1: Um, yeah, that, that's still a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. So let's do one more each. Uh, Tyler, another name that you think is is really Ooh, underrated.
3: Ooh, an underrated player. There's so many. Uh, I'll just I just want a couple honorable mentions relative to draft position. Like I think Char- Charlie Colar is is underrated for sure. I sure. think compared to Isaiah Likely, Chikazimakonkwo Conquo is underrated because he's like 90 picks later on the board. Uh, I'll go with a completely random one then. That he's not. He's a four three defensive end that I I also interviewed. Jacob Panishuk out of Michigan, Michigan State. Um, how often do you guys have guys who are like top 10 in pass rush productivity, pass rush win rate, 73 pressures, 11 sacks, 32 run stops last year, and he's in like the 400s or something? I have no idea why, um, but that is a high level of production at a good program. He also has a brother who played defensive tackle for the Panthers and Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. So there's some NFL blood there, too. I think... If you can, like, if, I don't know why he's going so late on these boards or just nobody's watched him, but somewhere in the seventh round, or it's an undrafted free agent somehow, is a guy at Michigan State who had 73 pressures, 11 sacks, 32 run stops. He can win outside, he can win inside. I he broke that down for me. Uh, I think he's a pretty solid player. I haven't graded him, but just a the bit I've watched of him, I don't understand why he's not even
1: in like the 200s for boards. Yeah, very similar vibes to uh, current charger Joe Gaziano there. And oh, that's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Alex, who's your one other one you want to mention, or potentially two or three like Tyler did? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I'll I'll mention one that
2: I think has kind of been forgotten. Like it feels like as Sky Moore and all of those guys really shot up the boards. Mm-hmm. John Mechie either went yeah. down or he stayed yeah. kind of flat around mm-hmm. like the tenth receiver taken. Um, so for me, I, I think he's a guy that definitely became underrated process. Part of that is he he didn't end up testing, right? I, I would imagine. No, he didn't thing. test. Yeah, I would imagine he didn't test. And so if if he did run some freakishly fast 40 and did all that, then he'd probably be not in that uh tier one of receivers, but I definitely think. Uh, probably one of them that would have gone towards the end of the first round, but now they're talking about as like a mid second round or maybe end of the second round guy. Um, so for me, just, I mean, obviously there's that the Alabama factor just, he, I don't think he has a lot of like elite traits, but he does everything pretty well um, sure. in the same way that we talked about with like Nicholas Petit Fair, for example. So for me, if you're, he, he sounds like, <laughs> I hate saying this, but he sounds like such a maybe Patriots pick uh, down the road uh, of this draft, obviously, they don't draft good receivers in the first round at all. Um, but
1: <laughs> do they draft good receivers at all? Period. <laughs> that's true. Um, maybe he's not
2: a Patriots pick, but I do think he, he's gonna get uh, a team some good value when you know he's sort of been slept on relative to obviously his teammate in uh Jamison Williams and really the other first round guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good call because. I mean, that's what, kind of what's happening with Andrew Booth a little bit. I think his medical concerns are a little more extensive, right? But, you know, there's no buzz about these guys because they're not doing any of the process. right? Um, so my honorable mention that I'll say that I'm not going to talk a lot about is Smoke Monday, the safety from Auburn. I think he fits a lot of what the NFL really values in terms of like that six defensive back, dime backer kind of player um, that we saw, of course, you know, like Adrian Phillips carve out a very significant role with and, the Raiders have um the Virginia Tech guy. Um shoot, what's his name? The Raiders have Divine Raiders? Diablo. There we go. Oh, okay. Um, so I think Smoke Monday could could absolutely carve out a, a significant role there. Um I, I think for me when it comes to offensive line sleepers, because that's obviously like what I care most about, <laughs> uh, is Zach Tom the offensive lineman from Wake Forest. So Um, he's not necessarily like an elite athlete. I think he tested in the great category in pretty much every category except, uh, for size. Um, so I think he is kind of that discount Rashawn Slater in a sense of, he's just a really freaking good technician, man. I think you rarely saw him get beat on tape, um, started out his career at Wake Forest as a center and then kicked out to left tackle for them as they kind of pivoted towards a more pass happy approach. And so I don't know, I don't necessarily know where his best position is, but I think he could come in and, and really be that second, third round version of what we were all talking about with Elijah Vera Tucker or Michon Slater last year, where you are getting a player that you just want on the field and you can kind of figure out the positions later. So I think specifically for the Chargers, like you could potentially see him be a right tackle. If he's not, you could play him at guard. He could be a potential um, Corey Lindsay replacement at center down the road. And so he's absolutely somebody that I'm interested in for the charter. Somebody that I think would be a fantastic value for them in the third round. He is number 59 overall on my board. So he just barely missed that uh, top 50 cutoff. But I think he's just a really solid, fantastic player. He's got the length. He's got the size that they really like when it comes to tackle guard converts. Um, And if you put him at guard, him and Brendan Hymus have like nearly identical scores. So um hmm. zach tom definitely somebody that i am keeping an eye on uh this weekend
3: yep yeah good call senior bowl
1: shrine uh bowl. shrine bowl i think
3: okay i don't uh-huh. know uh I'll, you know i'll throw another lineman out there because I, I really want to talk about like him nick ford to me he's like arguably on the consensus board the most underrated player because he's like 42nd among interior offensive linemen he's, he's not like if you want like top 20 i think would be fair yeah. if you want to say not top 15 that's fine but he's not 40th among interior offensive linemen and not that i've watched all of them but yeah. i just don't
1: buy it yeah you know obviously I, I i love nick ford he's a fantastic you know player i think a little overlooked like we talked about you know his pass blocking efficiency rating is tied with zion johnson like we just you mm-hmm. never see him make mistakes as a pass blocker his mistakes come as a, as a snapper which is why i think he'd be better at guard <laughs> um but you know, he didn't get to participate in any of the um, all-star games because he was still listed as a junior due to COVID. Um, you know, that's kind of what Utah did, unfortunately, with all their guys. They just kind of kept their eligibility as the same. And so he didn't even get invited to anywhere. And I think, you know, you look at guys that were at those games and Nick Ford should have absolutely been invited to at least the NFLPA Col- collegiate bowl. Like a, it's just kind of ridiculous, but you know, Utah has a pro style offense. They do, a, they have a very versatile running scheme. They do a lot of zone, a lot of guy, a lot of power. Um, and, you know, they do traditional passing looks. So, you know, Nick Ford is ready for the pros, man. Like he is. I think it's just a matter of there was not hype about him at all because he wasn't in, in any of the All Star games.
2: You know, I'll throw out another offensive lineman. I think you look at Rasheed Walker, and yes, he's stolen stolen a couple of bikes here and there, but you look at how he did against the best competition, and he did hold up well, had some flashes. So if you take him in the fourth round, I don't think that's a bad investment.
1: <laughs> I think a uh, top competition outside of David Ojabo. I think David Okay, Well,
2: not there. that one, but
1: <laughs> had some good battles against things. He's not players. the top competition, like the second top. <laughs> this is the second tier. No. So I ended up putting Wishy Walker in my top 10. At oh, offensive there we tackle. Go. So I, I moved him up two spots and put him at 10. So I like him. I think he would be a good schematic fit for the Chargers. Um, he's kind of like that last tackle that I would take and feel okay about starting right, right away as, at right tackle. So I think he's, yeah. I think he's a good fit there.
4: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Um, Ryan Thomas mentioned Danny Gray in the chat. I think that's an excellent call as well. Somebody that, again, this class is just full of, you know, 5'11", 4'3", speed guys. And Danny Gray is, is definitely one of them. Uh, definitely has some good juice to him for sure. But let's take one at 17. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh guys any uh final predictions ahead of the draft before we head out for this uh afternoon
3: i did just want to bring up one thing because i think brad talked about it and somebody else talked about it now doug Kayette has mocked Devin lloyd to the chargers at 17 does Pro Football focus know something about what the chargers are doing because they seem to be rolling around linebacker at 17.
2: Hmm. yeah don't know what to think there um i personally am going to predict that we draft Trevor Penning to pr- to protect myself uh, against uh, the devastation that will happen if that <laughs> happens. And I will be pleasantly surprised if it is any other player. Uh, so uh, that's that's where I'm setting up my camp.
3: Yeah, I will cheer louder for the Saints
1: taking Penning at 16 than I will for <laughs> whoever the Chargers take at 17. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, like I you know, I think Trevor Penning, I, I at least understand the position of value and I understand the process. So as long as they're not trading up, I will be okay. Like I I will have to cope for it for a minute, but I will be okay. I understand it again. Don't trade up, you know, and then you can kind of take Trent McDuffie who I do think will be the pick, but I think you can get one of these offensive linemen later in the draft and feel at least, you know, okay about them starting right away. So uh, I think you, you can't get a player like Trent McDuffie later. I, I, I just don't. But, you know, we'll see. Um, as it pertains to the linebacker conversation, as I have always said, I would absolutely love Devin Lloyd on this team. He, I would buy that jersey the second it came available. But I, I just can't see Brandon Staley taking a linebacker that early, man. And again, that's another position that you can find later. You know, mm-hmm. you can get, you know, Chad Muma or somebody on somebody else later on in the draft. You know, we talked about Chance Campbell a little bit on this show. I think that's a very natural Kaiser White replacement. So this linebacker class is deep. I, I just the value is not there. And Brandon Staley being, you know, somebody that's talked a lot about value and, and trading Khalil, trading a second for Kalumac because of the value. I just I can't see him taking a linebacker at 17.
2: Yeah, me either. I, I don't think they take a linebacker at 17. Um, I'm curious to see what PFF knows that we don't uh, about that. But, yeah, maybe we have to slide into Argent's DMs and find that out. But I <laughs> I, I don't think that uh, – I don't think they take a linebacker.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I keep on seeing this comment about, well, nobody wanted Justin Herbert either. But it's like it's – yeah, so but difference. Justin Herbert was a good quarterback. <laughs> Justin Justin Herbert also did good at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, like i and I again it's a quarterback the, value also so the,
2: yeah positional difference right if you're taking a quarterback you're setting yourself up you know if you hit then your franchise is set versus the difference between hitting or missing on a left tackle i think is, is a little bit is a little bit different in terms of the ceiling and floor argument um and they're in this position because they hit on justin herbert and so they have to win now versus you know if trevor penning was two drafts ago I mean, maybe they would be putting themselves in that position instead. But um, yeah, I I don't think it's the same thing. I mean, you can hope for anything. But if you take guys who have questionable traits uh, or
1: questionable tape coming out of college, one of them's bound not to hit. (laughs) Yeah, I love seeing all the spam bots in here. It's fantastic. So much fun. All right, man. Well, I'm, I'm super excited. You know, we get, uh, get to Vegas early on. I, um, this is going to be my first draft, obviously attending in person. I've always wanted to do this. I'm so excited! So, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, I can't wait to see all the chaos and, and how it kind of pans out before the chargers, uh, are on the clock. So as we've said before, Alex is going to be handling the live stream tomorrow that he's going to be going live at 6 PM Pacific. 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Maddie Schmidt is going to be joining him as his co-host. And he'll also have some special guests, including Gavino Borges and Jason Reed uh, from Charters, Wire, and Bolt Beat, respectively. So it's going to be a lot then, of fun there. Yeah, then on day two,
2: we will also be doing a stream. Gavino suggested the day two idea, so we're doing a day two stream. He's, he's a draft junkie, and I respect it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, do you want to pronounce Kyle's last name, Tyler? I
3: don't it's know like, how to say it, but I think, I think it's Antonio.
2: Yeah, Kyle De Dominicatano will be joining us uh, for that there as well, uh, as Tyler's done a couple. Of videos. Who was Enrique? And- <laughs> Who was Enrique? Um, yeah. So Kyle's Kyle, joining I- on
1: day two. Yeah, on
2: day two. Kyle. Like
1: All you know. right. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool.
1: Yeah, and so uh, Tyler, Arjun, and I are going to be recording in the Blue Wire Studio on uh, Friday morning. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll post that uh, episode as soon as we have it recorded and be able to uh, share that out. So. Alex is going to do all the live streaming. It's going to be fantastic. Can't wait to hear how that one goes. Um, And yeah, man, this is just, uh, this is like Christmas Eve for me. I love the draft so much and (laughs) I can't wait to see how everything unfolds. So thank you guys for tuning in. I was honestly very surprised at how many people were uh, in this stream this afternoon. So hope you enjoyed it. Again, as always, if you're listening to this, please leave us a rating or a view on a podcast platform of your choice. And that's going to do it for us. Our pre-draft coverage is officially over. So we will have you guys covered uh, this week with everything that we can possibly imagine. So stay tuned for all of that and uh, stay safe. We'll see you guys later.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.